And so I would tell my 25 year old self, dude, it's okay. Don't bury these things, learn from them, put shine light on them and use them as tools when appropriate to connect with people in a very human way. Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. All right, welcome back to the Wayfinder Show. How's it going today, Adam? Ah, doing well, man. Doing well. It's uh, kind of a rainy day here, and you know, I had uh, some people trying to do some roofs today, and things got thrown on its head a little bit today with some of my projects. But it's all good. It's all good. How are you? Doing all right, man. You know, uh, the, the, we're getting that nice crisp fall air here, so I can't complain. You know. I get excited when I hear that it's raining and miserable out there and you haven't because <laughs> it seems like you just have been living in paradise since you left, man. So <laughs> it's good. Now, but anyways, uh, I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, we have somebody here who is an EOS expert. And uh, I'm really excited because as I was talking about before the show, I've, I've tried to get EOS and my company hasn't been at the level yet um, to get there. So this is like, uh, we're going to, we're going to be able to get some free EOS implementation advice here. Hopefully if we do the job right. So (laughs) anyhow, uh, with all, with with that, let's welcome uh, Harvey, Harvey Juergen. Yeah. What's up guys? Thanks for having me. Harvey, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So I am curious, Louis, when you, when you talk to your EOS, potential EOS implementer, did they just straight up tell you you were too small? Yeah, yeah, I read the book Traction years ago, right? And and that's what starts taking everybody down that path, right? It is traction, right? The traction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and I started looking it up and I just called a few that were in Colorado right there and um one I I, I think I only talked to one guy. I, I reached out to a couple but only one got back to me and he just asked me some um some questions. We were just starting out. I have a real estate brokerage and we were just getting started. We were really small and at the time I think he said we needed to be at uh, so many people, and I think it was two million in in revenue. And I was like, you know, it was just getting started, so I didn't have that yet. And so, okay. just to paint right. the picture, Louis, what what year was that? Was that a while ago? 21, 20, okay. 20, a couple 21. years ago. Yeah, a few years. How many ago. people? How many people did you have on your team at the time? Uh, one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was just an assistant on her way to becoming an agent. Okay. Um, yeah, and we're not much bigger, you know, we had, uh, well, we just had three agents really well with me four, uh, but it's kind of a, a weird uh, dynamic we have going on. We're restructuring. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, yeah. Hopefully we'll dive into some self-implementation tactics, awesome. tips. Yeah. Before we do though, let's get to know you a little bit more. So tell us about Harvey, where, so you're, you're out in Columbus, Ohio, right? I'm in Columbus, yeah. Ohio. I'm from Akron, Ohio. Okay. Heard of 
in Ohio, it's probably because of LeBron James. So, That's right. You know, we're tight, me and LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I played uh, I played college baseball at Valparaiso University and then spent some oh, time no. as a civilian with the Army. Cool. Uh, Thank you for your service. And, uh, and former soldiers. Loved that work. I did it for seven or eight years and then eventually decided, you know what, I'd like to spend more time with my family, start some of my own projects and passions and started a couple businesses and went back to the W2 world for a short stint last year. Didn't last very long because once you're out on your own, you're an entrepreneur. It's really hard to, at least for me, to be a W2 employee. So that only that lasted about eight months. And now I am an EOS implementer, which is where I'm supposed to be, which feels really good. Yeah. What got you into it? The U.S. implementation, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had this, I had this journey. I had, which included starting some of my own businesses, becoming pat, really passionate about team. I actually, my the roots of my passion for team started as a collegiate athlete, and then as a as a leader, as a civilian with the United States Army, and then as a business owner it really became real because I knew that to the extent that I could create really high quality teams, it would make me more profitable, but it also make life more fun and make the business more fun for everybody involved with it. So that journey led me to find EOS, implement EOS into my own businesses, real estate businesses, and then eventually help a fellow entrepreneur in GoBundance implement EOS. And I just saw the power of the tools, these simple concepts that that helped solidify team, create high quality teams by increasing accountability, increasing clarity, increasing transparency. And yes, it does contribute to higher higher profit, but ultimately it makes the experience more enjoyable for owners, for employees, and for customers. So when I when I took some time away from my last gig, uh, I got some good advice from people, go bros, good friends. My spouse are like, dude, you're, you're supposed to be a coach and a teacher. I'm like, okay, well, what am I supposed to teach or coach? And they're like, EOS, you've done EOS, you know EOS, go be an EOS implementer. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. So mm. here I am. Wow. So what, what exactly is EOS? What, is, what, is it, what does that stand for? For those the who don't entrepreneurial know. operating system. And all that means is that it is a way of orchestrating and harmonizing all of the major work and functions of your business. So the EOS is a system. It's a complete operating system for your business, but it's also a model. So if you've read Traction, you've seen the EOS model. And the EOS model is six key components of your business. And if you work with an EOS implementer like me, you're embarking on a journey together with that implementer to get you to 100% strong in all six components of the EOS model. And those six components are the vision component, the people component, the data component, the issues component, the process component, and the traction component. Those are the six key components of the EOS model. And that, in a nutshell, is what EOS is. That's quite a bit. So. With that, you know, you're starting right away with with the vision. So you you have to be pretty clear with that. I'm I'm assuming that you have to have a pretty clear vision for the company where it's going to go. It can't be, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah the vision component is all about getting everybody on the same page with where you're going and how you plan to get there. Which yeah. is yeah, it's, it's vital. It's it's and to me it's important because is it important for owners to know where they're going and how they plan to get there? Yes, of course. It makes you more efficient, keeps you on track. But my heart is for the employees of that business. And I know as a former employee and as a business owner, how important it is for employees to understand that they're part of something bigger than themselves. And to the extent that you can get people rowing in the same direction and working towards a cause that's bigger than them. Yeah. Magic, right? And it makes you, yeah. it makes you feel important and needed and, and like you're part of something that's bigger than yourself, which is what people want. It's yeah. part of what people want. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to kind of what Louis was touching on earlier, um, who is EOS for? And are there limitations, whether it's a revenue or an employee count or, or anything like that? So EOS works for anybody. It works for anybody. And the tools inside of EOS work for anybody. EOS in its purity is best suited for companies with between 10 and 250 employees. So if you're if you're familiar with um, any sort of business business planning or marketing strategy, you're going to have your target market, right? You have that sweet spot, your demographic, geographic, psychographic profile of your target market. The idea is that 80% of your customers live inside that target market, but 20% of it live outside of that target market. For us as EOS implementers, our target market is that 10 to 250 employee business. But like I was telling you guys before we started, most of the work I've done in EOS is, is for companies smaller than that. The second, the second piece of the target market is probably more important. And this is what we describe as entrepreneurial companies. These are companies that are growth oriented and open minded. They're willing to be open and honest and vulnerable. They're more afraid of the status quo than they are of change. It's the mindset piece, the psychographic profile of the company that I have found to be more important than the actual size. Hmm. You know, what about in a company going back to vision where you have like, you know, I'm in, I'm in a real estate brokerage, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we would do is help people establish their own visions right away, right? And then kind of is within ours, right? So, is it, you know, um, when we bring in a prospective agent, they kind of have to think about what do they want? What is their vision for their lives? And then we help them figure out how to create that. Right. So then right. you have a vision within another vision, right? Mine as a, as a, as the owner of the brokerage, um, I have a big vision for the brokerage. They have their own vision for themselves and everybody goes out and eats what they kill anyways. So how does that work in this EOS model? Totally. Yeah. And I'm reminded of, um, Something Matt King, the CEO of GoBundance, talks about frequently when he talks about recruiting. And he it's something along the lines of it's not your incentives or what you do that gen that attracts great talent. It's it's your vision that attracts great talent. And you have to have a vision that can contain the vision of other people, can contain the vision of 
the people that you're trying to hire. And so mm. the tools in EOS that help you solidify and really crystallize your vision and then get everybody on the same page with it, it's just a tool. It's a platform. It's a it's a framework for designing that vision and then articulating it. It doesn't limit you. Um, it doesn't necessarily uh, project you either. It's it's a framework. So that the vision is whatever your vision is. It's just a framework. The EOS VTO or the Vision Traction Organizer or the Vision Creation Framework. That's that's what it is. It's just a framework on which you can hang your big grandiose vision. But I think your point is is a uh, is a great one. That 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 advice from Matt King has stuck with me for a long time and the only way to really retain high quality not the only way one way to retain really high quality talent is to let your vision grow as their vision grows because if they outgrow your vision they've outgrown you and they're gone hmm. Hmm. yeah so take us down like uh you know let's take advantage of this opportunity get some free consulting here since we're putting you out there to the gazillions and gazillions of uh, followers of the wayfinder show right um how how would you start let's you know a company under 10 employees right both uh, Mm -hmm. adam and i have companies under 10 employees well how would you start with us i would take you through the pure regular eos implementation process and i want to say that i am not a consultant and nor is any EOS implementer a consultant. Consultants are gurus. They're, they give answers. They suggest strategies. That's not us. Our job is to teach you and guide you on a journey to master these tools, facilitate your wisdom and the wisdom of your leadership team and help extract that to solve problems, and then to coach you, to watch you play the game, to get more out of you than you otherwise would, and to watch you use these tools and help you use the tools in more effective and efficient ways. So consultant, dirty work. But if I was going to take you through the process, (laughs) the way it would look is we would start with a 90-minute meeting, and it's a free 90-minute meeting. And the way that works is we cover four major points. The first point is I explain a little bit about EOS and about myself so that you know that me or any other EOS implementer isn't there practicing on you. Then step number two is we turn the tables. We ask you a few questions because we're trying to understand where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. Step number three is the tools. And this is literally where we open the fire hose and we throw everything we got at you, get into the tools that that we would implement during the EOS implementation process. And then explain the process, what it looks like, what the journey that we take our our clients on from start to finish through the EOS implementation process. After that free 90-minute meeting, you're going to understand EOS at a level that you've never understood EOS before. And then you have a decision to make, are we committed to moving through this process with an implementer or not? And if so, then it's just a commitment to the next day, which is a focused day. That's a full day session. So it's seven hours plus or minus an hour. Mm. So six six to eight hours with you, your leadership team, and me, your EOS, EOS implementer in a room covering five super important, awesome topics. The first of which is this concept we call hitting the ceiling, 
we explain and teach to you the five leadership abilities that help you, that as you master them, help you break through the inevitable ceilings in your business. We then go about creating your accountability chart for your unique organization at the leadership team level, and then start building that accountability chart for the rest of your organization. We set your first list of rocks, which are just 90-day priorities for your company and then for each member of the leadership team. I introduce you to the Level 10 Agenda and the Meeting Pulse, and I take you through it so that you can start using that Level 10 Agenda next week after the focus day and take your meetings probably from sucky to level 10. And then we take a first crack at your scorecard, which is just a list of five to 15 measurables that give you an absolute pulse on your business, list who's accountable for each measurable, what your goal is on a weekly basis to keep you on track for your one-year plan, to keep you on track for your three-year picture, and to put you on pace and lay the foundation for achieving your 10-year your ten-year vision. And so that's what Can the you- focus is. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the the L10? Um, what what is that? Is it a certain structure or is it custom tailored? Yes, it is a certain structure. So L10 stands for level ten, and it that really underscores how this agenda will take your meetings from, like I said, sucky, which you know we've always been we've all been in these meetings that are just crappy. We don't accomplish anything to a mm-hmm. level ten. So the pure way to do a level 10 meeting, five key principles that are non-negotiable for a level 10 meeting. One is same day, same time, same agenda, starts on time and ends on time. Imagine that, right? For a meeting. Right. Same day, same time, same agenda, starts on time and ends on time. The agenda itself works like this. We segue in, and the segue is a way for everyone involved in that meeting to land and to go from doing what they were just doing, which is working in the business, doing all the in the business type of stuff, to working on the business. And the way they that we do that is simple. We start with good news, both personal and business. Helps you zoom out. And then we go into a, that takes five minutes. We go into a reporting section of the L10 agenda. This is this is just reporting. There's no context. There's no explaining, nothing. You're checking in with your scorecard. Are your numbers on track or off track? You're checking in with your rocks or your 90-day priorities. Are they on track or off track? Then you're checking in on your customers and your employees and making sure they're happy. If there's any issues there, let's say you're going through your headlines then you have a you have an employee who's disgruntled about this or that or maybe it's a maybe it's a good thing you have an employee that's been crushing it and you want to talk about a way to reward and recognize them that goes to the issues list which we'll talk about in a minute and then we inject a little to-do list to drive accountability and discipline week to week in that agenda and the to-do lists are just action items from the previous meeting are they done or not done the, uh, the rule of thumb is on that to-do list week to week, 90% of those items should go from to-do to to done. Key principle here, I said no explaining, no grandstanding, no context. So if a, if a measurable from your scorecard is off track, if a rock is off track, if there are employee or customer headlines, positive or negative, there is no discussing it. It just goes down to the issues list. That's it. We just say, drop it down, drop it down. This saves you time. 
This turns your meetings from, from these crappy meetings we've all been a part of where people are just status updating for 60 minutes and you don't actually solve any issues. So that whole, the segue and the reporting section take 20 minutes, 25 minutes total. And then you spend, then you spend 60 minutes of a 90 minute meeting IDSing, which IDSing just stands for identify, discuss, and solve. And that defines the issue solving track in the EOS world. And the EO, the issue solving track was designed to keep leadership teams on track in actually solving issues. Even great leadership teams, this is how they do things. They get in a room for a meeting, they bring up a bunch of issues, the issue hits the table, and they discuss the hell out of it. They never really get to anything that resembles an actual solution. And the reason is, is because they never actually get to anything that resembles a real root cause of that issue. And so they don't actually accomplish anything. They walk out of that meeting having accomplished nothing. See you again next week. Same old story, right? So the issue solving track is a method to solve that. And the way it works is like this. you got an issue. you got a, a list of issues. Let's just say it's 15, 20 long. Don't start at the top. You rank them from one to three in terms of priority. And the reason you do that is because the real issue that you might need to solve for that week, the priority for the week could be buried in the middle or at the end. If you start at the top and you never really get to the, to the meat of what needs solved. So take 30 seconds, rank them one, two, and three. You start at number one and you IDS. You dig the I part of IDS, identifies dig, 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 dig deep down in the organization to identify the root cause. Briefly discuss possible solutions, bring up context. As soon as people start repeating themselves, you move on. Repeating yourself is politicking and there's no time for that. As soon as it gets repetitive, you move to solve. That's usually a decision or some sort of action item that somebody is responsible for that moves up to the issues, to the to-do list for that person to get accountability and discipline from week to week. And then you move to number two. You consider that issue solved and you move to issue number two. You do issue number three the same way. Once you hit it, issue number three, then you reprioritize one, two, three from what's left. And some weeks you'll get three issues solved. Some weeks you'll get three, six, nine issues solved. You're actually building in accountability, gaining traction, solving issues, making them go away forever. With five minutes left, you move on to a conclude, which is you just rate yourself as a leadership team to make sure that you're doing your best work in these meetings week to week. And that's it. Then you move on. How long is the that's whole awesome. meeting again? 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Yep. Wow. So as you said, I mean, that process, while it should be, intuitive and common is very uncommon to actually go through that and, and be accountable so i imagine it's it takes a long time to break bad habits inside an organization of of the politicking and the redundancy and the cya statements over and over again do you feel and obviously it's variable but how long would you say it takes a, an average team to kind of get from you know shitty meeting to to fully implemented doing it like you're supposed to. I would say, and I'm not marketing here, but with an implementer, it might take 60 days. Without one, it could take years. Yeah. Okay. Really, I, I, those meetings, if you're not doing it the pure way, and listen, I'm a visionary. I'm an entrepreneur myself. The way it works for me, 
before I was in the US implementer is I read traction one time. I say, I got this. And I start, <laughs> I, I know I don't go back to the book and make sure that we're doing it the right way. We just, we drive on and then it turns out, well, we're not actually doing it the right way. And then things just get worse. So yeah, my official answer is unless you have that special somebody in your organization who's actually your internal implementer is going to and is going to go back and check and make sure that you're doing things the right way it can it can take you a long time so as the implementer are you attending the meetings regularly or, or what is your role there yeah so the first thing is i teach them the pure way and then i'm checking in with them on a semi-weekly basis and uh, seeing if they're having issues with the, the level 10 agenda. And then the one of the very first things we do in our second session together is I say, give me, give me your level 10 agenda, level 10 agenda that you're using right now and walk me through how this is going for you. And so that is a perfect opportunity to say, okay, I'm noticing this, I'm noticing that. You might want to think about doing this differently. This is how it actually works. And then through the rest of the implementation process, and as we get into their, uh, where I'm running their quarterly and annual meetings, we're, we're checking in with those tools constantly, just making sure that they're using those tools, not just the level 10 agenda, but the scorecard, their VTO and their rocks, the best and most efficient way all the time. You know, um, you said this is for 10 to 250 people. I can't imagine these meetings are with 250 people like is there a max <laughs> is there a max of what makes a good l10 yes. meeting yes so here's the way the level 10 so the level 10 meeting is an agenda but it's also a discipline and by that i mean mm. it is something that gets that is adopted by the leadership team at the leadership team level and then gets migrated down into the rest of the organization so yeah well, the rule of thumb is that at the leadership team level, you'll have three to seven major functions. Every business has a sales and marketing function, an operations function, and a finance function, right? You got to go out into the market and create demand and turn that demand into sales. You've got to create products or deliver services or both. And you've got to track assets, manage assets, manage cash flow in and out of the business. It'll be it'll, that'll be tailored up to seven major functions at the leadership team level, but the rule of thumb is you start with the three, then you have an integrator, and you have a visionary. That's your leadership team, and that leadership team on a weekly basis is running a leadership team level L ten, not all two hundred and fifty people. But then the sales and marketing lead on the leadership team is responsible for migrating that discipline into their department so that they're having a sales and marketing specific L10 meeting on a weekly basis that is just about sales and marketing. That way, everybody in the organization is in the right kind of meetings. Yeah, Everybody's driving accountability and everybody's gaining traction all the way down to the organization. So you, you, you described yourself as a visionary. I think that was, uh, I, I consider myself one as well. When you read the book, you know, you realize uh, the biggest need is an integrator, like you talked about, right? How how does a visionary go about finding an integrator? And what, what makes a good integrator? It, it really depends. But 
What makes so an integrator, for those who are listening who aren't familiar with that term, this is uh, could be a general manager or a chief operating officer. This is somebody who harmoniously orchestrates the major functions of the business and drives accountability towards a vision. They beat the drum of the organization. They drive accountability. They're good at crucial and tough conversations with people. The visionary, on the other hand, could not be more different. This is a 30,000-foot view person with big ideas, is really in tune with the culture, likes R&D, big relationships, maybe really big sales, could not hate tough conversations or the details or accountability anymore. So knowing those general principles about the visionary and integrator seats is important. But one of the first things we do on in focus days, we take a big step back and we identify the right structure for your unique organization. And part of that is to customize the integrator seat with five roles that make sense for your organization. So step one in finding a good integrator is to understand for your specific organization what the five most important roles are for that seat in your in your organization. People think you can just go out and hire this blanket integrator. And there are skills, there are personality types that are best suited for the integrator role. But ultimately, they got to be able to drive accountability and and harmoniously orchestrate the major functions for your unique business. That's crucial. As an implementer, do you help people that are maybe exploring that, looking for those kinds of hires? Or is that kind of out of the wheelhouse and you're mostly just focused on helping the, um, I guess, implementation of the, the structure? So the way I can help with hires is one, beg you and plead with you to first get at least an 80% solution of your accountability chart before you go out and hire any key leadership team position. Because like I said, we're going to identify the right structure and we're going to identify the five most important roles for each of those seats. And what more information would you want to have or what information would you want to have more than to know the five major roles, most important roles of a seat that you're going to look to, to go higher. The other part of this process is we've been talking about right seats this whole time and right seats is people who have the God-given ab- ability and talent who want, who want it, who get out of bed every morning and desire to do a really good job and have the skills and experience to do that job well. That's right seats. But there's another part of the people component that we haven't talked about yet. And that's right people, right people and right seats. You got to have them both. And right people is, is about finding and keeping people who align with your culture and exhibit your core values more often than not and repelling people who don't. This is how you drive culture in your organization. And the way that we do that is through a tool we call the people analyzer. We use your core values and we, we rate people on how they exemplify and show up relative to your core values. And this is what drives culture. And it also makes it a very effective way to have clear communication about where people are falling short and where they're doing really well. So oh, my advice is like, so I'm so passionate about making sure that 
people understand what right people what right people and right seats means for their organizations before they go out and hire like that it would i would just it would pain me to, to see you go out and hire somebody who turns out to be the wrong person that doesn't fit your culture just because you haven't understood what your culture actually is yet sorry this is kind of off off topic a little bit but um now you're located in akron ohio do you work face to face with people in your area or are you helping people around the country or how does that work i'm from akron i live in columbus now it's about oh, two yeah, hours away. and so far i work with only people who are outside of my area it just happens okay. to be a function of my network yeah so do you actually hmm. fly in for the six to eight hour meeting and at least do that one in person and then it's virtual kind of from there on out is that how that works I only do the 90, the free 90 minute meeting virtual. And then I am in person in the room a hundred percent of the time. Not everybody does that, but I, I prefer that way just because I like the energy in the room. And there's just so much to learn from people's body language that you, 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 you miss out on over zoom. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine. Mm -hmm. Is this your only, your only business or have you used your EOS skills to start other businesses? EOS implementation is my core focus right now. I'm trying mm -hmm. to cut away everything else. I have implemented EOS uh, from reading traction, self-implemented EOS in my um, Homebusters franchise uh, several years ago. And that's where I got familiar with EOS. I'm wondering, going back to the integ uh, integrator and visionary, do you, I, I, I imagine there's a, quite a trap uh, with people who believe they're great at meant to be both, right? Especially at the early stages. Do you run across that at all? I mean, I, I could probably, I know I'm more of a visionary, but I try to integrate more myself, for example, just because we are small and, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that what you're describing right there is more common right. than somebody actually thinking they, they are both. What is more common is the person who says, I'm a visionary, I need an integrator, and they just won't let go of the integrator work. Yeah. And what that does is it creates uh, a lot of chaos and a lack of focus in the organization. It can, it can create that. Uh, because like we mentioned, the visionary is good at specific things. They have a lot of different ideas, but most of the time they can't carry the energy or the focus through an entire quarter. So what you get this these these intense 90-day spikes in energy and activity, then the energy and focus wanes, and then it's just chaos and everybody's waiting to see what the next quarter will bring. More often than not, those roles are best served by two distinct, totally different people. I have seen it work where somebody is, and you can go out and take a test. I think it's the, the crystallizer test. Mm. Uh, uh, if you've read rocket fuel, it's in, it's in there. And you can find out if you're better suited as a visionary or an integrator. There are some cases where you can test high in both and do both, but still your, your folk, you are, if you've done your accountability chart, you are executing on 10 different roles at the same time. And where are you, where are you, um, where are you dividing your time and changing hats and being the visionary versus the integrator? I think it's possible. I just think it's very hard. How do you know you've, as a visionary, you've overstepped that boundary, right? Like you, you, you're doing too much integration now. Do you have an integrator or not? In, in no. This? 
No, well, it, um, I mean, for some things I do, but I'm just, you know, when you know, I think there's some things you can do so naturally, so easily, but you probably shouldn't be. And uh, yeah, there's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just um, because you can, it doesn't mean you should do it. Right. Um, so I think you're talking about your specific business, in which case you do not have an integrator. You are right. both the integrator and the visionary. Yeah. Yeah. And as you try, but I, you know, I would imagine as you're growing, that that's an ongoing problem, right? Like, or especially, you know, I'm thinking startup culture where everybody's doing a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, you, you before you start breaking up that division of labor and, and all that, when, when do you know, uh, I don't know how rephrase this. So when there's chaos, that's obvious. Yeah. Right. How, is there any, is, are there any signs before you get to chaos? Yeah. Do you have an accountability chart? Are, are people clear on what their actual roles are? Mm. Do they know what measurables they're responsible for? Do they know the actual priorities for the business this year in this quarter? Do they know where the company is going long-term and how they plan to get there? If these things aren't clear, there may not be absolute chaos, but there's inefficiency mm-hmm. for sure. And if you don't if you don't have an accountability chart that spells out the structure of the organization and the five most important roles for each seat, you definitely have a lack of clarity, which means you have inefficiency. From your experience of doing this for a while, what what is some uh, give us a good success story like a company you started with and is now really taken off? How did that go? It'd be kind of yeah, the EOS, uh, the US data suggests, and the since Gino Wickman started EOS, there have been 21,195 companies who have implemented EOS, and EOS implementers, of which there are close to 700 now, have done 153,163 full day sessions. And from that data, they've They've uh, they've said that on average an eight an eighteen percent growth uh, from before to after EOS. When I implemented EOS in my house slipping business, we doubled from before we were doing EOS to after we were doing EOS. So why so- did you stop doing the the house slipping business? Partner breakup for one. Mm. Uh, um. And then at the end of 2022, um, I got punched in the mouth a couple of times with some bad deals, just didn't listen to people's advice and decided to take that time to step back and assess whether or not I really wanted to live my life like that. Because, you know, house flipping, especially when you're trying to do it or are doing it at scale, it's it's risky. There is a you're you're putting out a lot of marketing dollars every month. (laughs) And what that forces you to do is do deals. And when you're forced to do deals because you need to cover your monthly nut or you got to put food on your table, you can imagine the kind of deals that you you can get into. I wasn't sleeping well with that. And yep. I I like to sleep. <laughs> so I still have I still have the franchise. I've been casually trying to sell it. Um no six yet, no success yet. If I sell it, great. If I don't, I don't. But and in the meantime, I'm going to do what what helps me sleep better at night, and ultimately, what I think I'm put on the planet to do. And 
something that creates way more impact than I would have about just operating my own business. No doubt. What do you do for fun outside of this? I run. I'm yeah. training for a marathon right now. Yeah. Nice. Specifically- oh, boy. Oh, God. Yeah, here goes Louie. That's all he's going to talk about now. <laughs> Shoot, we got to start all over, man. Let's just get right to running. I love it. <laughs> so uh, which one? Yeah. <laughs> running, the, running the Nationwide Marathon here in Columbus, Ohio on okay. the 15th. And I run with my wife. So we train together. We spend Saturdays or, and or Sundays on super long runs just talking and hanging out and then eventually commiserating in our in our agony. But yeah it's great yeah this will be our third or fourth race we've trained four together so it's it's a lot of oh fun. nice all right so you're a runner too i take it yeah i also like to run marathons okay yeah get this so, so you know the majors the world majors right uh-huh yeah i'm doing the last one uh which for me which is tokyo in march so wow pretty excited yeah Congrats, dude. Yeah, we're going to bore Adam and all our listeners to death. But no, you and no, I are going to have good. an awesome conversation. <laughs> yeah, this is great. No. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, that's what I do for fun. I love uh, it. I got three kids, um, so they're involved in a lot of stuff. So that keeps us busy. Other than that, just traveling and sweet, pretty normal stuff. Yeah. Good. Nice. Well, before Louie starts geeking out anymore, uh, I think it's about time for the Wayfinder 4. Are you ready to uh, answer our questions? Yeah, let's roll. All right. First question. Can you name a hack you use in your daily life? Get a coach. I don't know if that counts as a hack, but that's... absolutely. Totally. Yeah. That's certainly a way that I have found to expedite growth. How about a favorite? Could be anything that you could book, movie, hobby, whatever. Uh, music, band, uh, my movie. Fave. <laughs> oh man, I'm a I'm a I'm a hard rock, like a hardcore music fan. I'm not sure that'd be up too many people's alleys. Uh, uh, my right. favorite, my favorite book right now is uh, "The Untethered Soul." Oh yeah, and. My favorite, oh, what'd you mention? You mentioned something else. Movies, um, sport. Oh, I would recommend if you're in well, if you're in a if you're in a relationship, another book, His Needs, Her Needs. And part of his needs, her his his needs, her needs is a uh recreational interest survey for both for both people in the couple. And Amy and I did that, and that's how we found running together because we we filled out things independently and then we compared the two survey results and the idea was that uh we want to recreate but we'd rather recreate together with some shared interests so that we can get the best of both worlds i love golf do i want to go out and play three four or five hours of golf away from my family and away from amy a couple times a week no not really i'd rather do something that's fun and energizing with her so that um i recommend that book and i also recommend finding a recreational activity with your significant other i love that all right now what is one thing you know now that you wish you could tell your younger self kind of a deep one and it's a recent one but it's to accept and shine light on my mistakes for i'll be 39 this year for 38 years i have felt shame over 
mistakes I've made and trying to hide them. And what's that? That's giving me a pretty consistent, uneasy feeling like I was going to be found out or uh, revealed or something like that. And so working with a coach, I discovered that there were some things in my past that, you know, they're not major, but they're mistakes. And in my personality and my upbringing and in my desire to have it all put together all the time and to not to have people think that I'm, you know, perfect all the time. I buried these things and hid them. And what has been powerful is just realizing that everybody makes mistakes. Obviously, the fact that I've made mistakes, obviously is fine. But it also makes me talk, revealing these things and talking about them when appropriate. It, it makes me relatable and it makes me human. And so I would tell my 25 year old self, dude, it's okay. Don't bury these things. Learn from them, put shine light on them and use them as tools when appropriate to connect with people in a very human way. I love that. That is great. I mean, that, that's essentially being vulnerable, being not afraid to be vulnerable, which is great. Takes a long yeah, time to learn that, to accept that. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, people say like, "Yeah, be be, be vulnerable." Yeah, I'm, I'm being vulnerable. Yeah, it is a discipline and it's a learned behavior. Totally. And yeah. you kind of get thrown into the deep end when you join a, a group like Abundance or Emerge or those kinds of things too. I know that was definitely one of the things that I had to open up to quick when I did that is just being able to throw your bullshit out there and yep, own it and accept it and and. Yeah. That's the way, like you said, that's how you make the deepest connections is by uh, (laughs) being vulnerable. So that's great. Yep, totally. So what's something that keeps people from being happy? Keeps me from being happy? Just people. What do you think keeps people in general from being happy? People in general don't know or understand themselves. They don't understand how they got on earth and why they were put here and through the journey of life you just naturally layer ego and expectations and pressure and social norms and it buries the the person you actually are at your at your core and at your heart and as that divine spark that you were born with and i think to the extent that people can discover a road back to their original and true self, the the piece of them that is attached to not only the infinite, but to you guys and to, and to everyone else in the world is the extent that you can be happier and more satisfied and more content and more present with where you are and what you're doing. And without that, and I've been there, it's, it you're striving you don't know what you're striving for but you you just feel like you need to keep moving you're climbing you're climbing you're climbing you're not sure what it's all for so i think that my recommendation to to anybody if you haven't done that work or started that journey do it sooner than later tomorrow start tomorrow so if people want to know a little bit more about you harvey how how does it get a hold of you uh you can find me on facebook got a bunch of crap on there uh, you can email me at harvey.jurgen, Y-E-R-G-I-N, at eosworldwide.com. 
not the best way to get a hold of me. I don't check my email very often. Um, you can call me or text me. That's the best way to do that to get a hold of me. And my number is 901-484-9751. And I will return your text or phone call within 24 hours. Wow. That's very generous. It's very dangerous, you know, for all the gazillions and gazillions of listeners <laughs> in the Wayfinder show, man. You're going to get blown up right as soon as this goes off. So be ready. Be ready. Good. I love it. We'll let you know when that is. So uh, so you're ready that day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Harvey, man, thank you so much for being here. I've learned a lot. I feel like I um no, you know, coupling this with those free 90 minutes, I'm I'm going to be good to go and and uh, you know, for mm-hmm. for yeah. implementing uh, EOS in my company. So, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. And there's something to be said for taking a lot of what you said and a lot of the yeah. EOS system and, you know, even if you don't own a business, for one, obviously you could if you're part of a leadership team at another company, you could apply it there as you mentioned, but also, I mean, there's a lot you could pull just in your daily lives, your relationship yep. with your with your family, with your kids. And and yeah. yeah, maybe you don't necessarily have an L10 meeting every Tuesday at 10 a.m., but, you know, it's you're holding each other accountable in some way or another, at least, you know, zooming out and making making sure you're staying on task and, and, and really moving towards where you want to move to. And I think I think anybody can apply that in their life. So I think it's great. Totally agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. As you were describing the L10 meeting, I'm thinking like, well, we should just make this part of our family dinner once a week or something. You know, like, um, why not? As yeah, my kids are now teenagers and it's like we're trying to operate more and more like a business than we used to yeah. <laughs> when they were little, right? So we used yeah. to do roses and thorns when they were little. Now it's yeah, all business good. talk. Like, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'd yeah. say give it a rip. They might love it. Maybe. Yeah. Or they'll move out faster, which will help too. <laughs> Either way, you win. That's right. <laughs> Just playing. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Harvey. And uh, yeah, thank we'll see you guys. on the trail. All right. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.